It's a delight to be with you this evening. <clears throat> As I begin, I have a family member who bought a house a number of years ago. The house was purchased from a house flipper who had renovated it and was now reselling it. The house looked incredible in the walkthroughs. Expansive rooms, beautiful marble floors, a beautiful landscaped pool in the backyard with intricate tiling. It could have been on an episode of Hollywood Cribs, but it didn't take long after moving in to realize that appearances had been deceiving. What seemed to be an incredibly well-made home actually revealed that poor materials and shoddy workmanship had been used to build it. There were problems with the plumbing, leaks in the roof, which took a little while to show as it doesn't rain very often in Southern California. There was issues with that tiling in that beautiful landscape pool in the back so that when it rained hard, the water ran into the pool and when the pool filled up, it then came for the house. What originally had seemed to be a dream home had turned into a nightmare. And by the time these things were discovered, the original seller had skipped the country and was nowhere to be found. In our passage from God's word this evening, God uses the image of a building, of a house, to describe the church. And he uses the picture of builders to describe the work of pastors and church members like you and me. God tells us that we are all to work in our Christian lives contributing to the building of the church the building of God's house. And our passage says we must be careful how we build. That's the point of our passage from the New Testament. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. I'm told that John preached from Hebrews 10 this morning on stirring one another up to love and good deeds. Our passage is a bit of a parallel to that. Paul here uses this analogy of the church as the temple of God, and the command here is to be careful how you build. Now for context, the church that Paul had planted in Acts chapter 18, the church at Corinth, was a young church. It was a young church with many problems. The most prominent of those problems was a, a worldliness. The church looked more like the city and the world around them than they did the heavenly kingdom that they were supposed to be representing. After Paul left, others had continued this work in his absence, people like Apollos. And Peter had been faithful, but others had been less faithful. They had brought in a worldly philosophy or wisdom on top of Christianity and a worldly methodology with an overemphasis on slick speaking and rhetoric, a huge emphasis on eloquent speech over content. And this was leading some in the church to compare leaders based on worldly categories. So in this letter, Paul is explaining again the basics of Christ and of the gospel message, a message of wisdom that may appear as foolishness in the eyes of the world, a message of power that may appear weak according to worldly standards. And yet for the Christian, this uh, 
the Savior that we love and follow, Jesus, is the very wisdom of God who was rejected as foolish by the world and yet reveals to us our all-wise God. Jesus is the one who came in weakness to suffer and die and through death conquered sin and death for sinners like us. Our passage, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 and 11, I will pick up in verse 9 for context. This is God's word. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul has just been explaining the work of a pastor, the work of gospel ministers, in verses 5 to 9. He's been describing it using an organic metaphor from the garden. He, Paul, planted, he says, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the growth. Paul explained it in the scheme of things, the Corinthians' tendency to elevate human leaders misunderstands the nature of true gospel ministry. The church is God's garden, God's field. He's the one who's at work saving souls, growing his people. And pastors, even apostles, are only God's servants being utilized to facilitate his salvation work. Paul and Apollos are nothing, Paul says in those verses. The only one that matters ultimately is God who gives the growth. Paul now in verse 9 changes the metaphor from that of the garden to that of the construction site. Look at verse 9. We are God's co-workers, you are God's field, God's building. Paul now switches to considering the church through the metaphor of a building, specifically that of a temple. Look later on at verse 16. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? The church is God's temple, the place where he dwells on earth. And that temple, that building, is us. It's not a physical building. It's a spiritual one. Now, God in the Old Testament dwelt in tabernacles and temples with his presence residing in those places. But in the New Testament, those images are used to describe the spiritual building of the church, God's people gathered. Now, we are, as a church plan, it's obvious to us that we as a church are not a building because we have to rent or lease space wherever we can. We're thankful to have a place to put down some roots, but it's not permanent, not as permanent as your building. But even your building isn't completely permanent. Buildings fall apart from one generation to the next. And sometimes people can confuse the building with the thing itself, but COVID probably made this clear to all of us. The church is a people, not a place. The church is a people. And the way that we build the church isn't through bricks and mortar or wood physically, but by building up the people of God. The church is built on one and only one foundation, first of all, verse 11, which is Christ. And that foundation was laid in Corinth by the work of Paul preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said a chapter earlier, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, Paul planted in that garden analogy by sowing the seed of the word, the word of the gospel. And Paul laid a foundation in the building analogy by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, founding these believers on Christ. When we started meeting as a, as a church, the first sermon that I preached at our first service in May was from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 8. I wanted to make clear from our very first service, from the very first sermon, that it's the gospel that the church is to be built on. So I preach from 1 Corinthians 15, I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This gospel message is the only message upon which we stand and upon which the church is to be built. The reformers in the Protestant Reformation, which I'm sure your interns are reading about, were right to explain that for a church to be a church at all, it had to have as its foundation the right preaching of God's word, and that meant, at bare minimum, a right preaching of the gospel message. If the, if the message of the gospel is not there in a church, your church is not a genuine church at all. For you see, there is no other foundation for the church than that of Christ. So friends, at Bethany, you may not realize this, but it is important for you to always encourage your pastors, encourage your elders to preach Christ as the foundation of the church and to never move on from it. This is Paul's concern with these leaders. They are moving on from this gospel message of first importance. So friends, hold your elders, your pastors accountable to preaching Christ and to preaching this gospel message. A few weeks ago after a sermon, my wife told me on the way home from church that she didn't remember hearing the gospel in my sermon. That was a bit of hard feedback to hear. I had to swallow some pride think back over my sermon and admit that she was actually right. But I love that she was willing to evaluate my sermon and challenge me. She didn't spare my feelings. I love that about my wife. She's more concerned about Christ and the gospel being preached than sparing her husband's feelings when I'm not faithful to preach Christ. At Evie Hill, the pastor of the historic Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in L.A., would tell the story of an elderly woman in his church in the 1960s, whom they all called 1800 because no one knew how old she was. Now, 1800 was hard on unsuspecting preachers, Evie Hill would say, because she'd sit in the front row, and as soon as the preacher began to preach, she would say, get him up, referring to Christ. After a few minutes, if she didn't think there was enough of Christ in the sermon, she would again shout, get him up. And if a preacher didn't get him up, he was in for a long, hard day. <laughs> Friends, this is what we should be doing as pastors and preachers, getting Christ up, lifting him up. It is our job as pastors and preachers to preach Christ. Friends, see it as your job to support your pastors in preaching Christ to you. Encourage them in it. Encourage them when they encourage your heart with Christ. And if they veer away from it at all, call them out. Don't spare their feelings. Eternity is at stake. Spurgeon has so many good quotes on this, on having Christ in your sermons. The motto of all true servants of God must be, we preach Christ and him crucified. 
Spurgeon says. A sermon without Christ in it is like a loaf of bread without any flour in it. No Christ in your sermon, sir? Then go home and never preach again until you have something worth preaching. That's, that's wonderful instruction for pastors and aspiring preachers. This is the message that makes up the foundation, and we must be sure that we don't stray from it. But let's look secondly at the work that we must all take part in in the church, that of building up the body. And the language he uses here in verse 10 and 11 is to be careful how we build. Verse 10 and 11 again, according to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it, but each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. So Paul laid this foundation of Christ. There are others now at work building on that foundation, but some are not building in a way that is true to the foundation that Paul laid. And so Paul is telling them all, be careful how you build. Now, first of all, this is speaking to the role of Christian pastors and Christian ministers. This is what Paul has in mind when he talks about building on that foundation. The work of the pastors and elders who build up the church through their teaching and preaching is primarily what he means here. And this is how it is that we build up the church through the preaching and the teaching that goes on in the church. Paul describes himself in verse 10 as a skilled master builder. He's a wise builder, like a foreman at a construction site. Paul was not free to come up with blueprints himself. God is the master architect. God has designed the church. Paul is simply showing himself wise by following God's plans and instructions down to the very details. Paul's concern was for others to keep building the church in line with the foundation that he laid. Pastors and elders aren't free to build the church according to their own desires. We must build the church according to God's word. And we do this primarily by teaching God's word, by holding the truth from God's word out to God's people. Now, as we think about what this looks like practically for each of us as Christians, friends, I want to give you three applications to consider as you consider being careful how it is that you build. I spoke at the beginning of the house that began to show the quality of its materials and its shoddy workmanship. Look at verse 12. It's important for us to build up the church with quality materials. And those quality materials, Paul talks about being the materials of gold, silver, or costly stones as opposed to shoddy materials of wood, hay, or straw. The materials that we use is the materials of God's word and the materials of God's love. Friends, the way that you build in terms of three applications is one, through your discipleship relationships. Friends, this is something that all of us as Christians are called to do is to build up the church. There's a sense in which elders and pastors have a greater responsibility in terms of the building that they do, but it's clear from 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 that each of us is to be building up the body of Christ with the gifts that we've been given. And whether we're serving or whether we are speaking, we are all to be faithful, to be building up the church. And one of the most practical ways that we do this is through discipling one another, helping each other follow Jesus. So friends, let me encourage you to be faithful in discipling one another, to be, for, to be faithful in helping others follow Jesus and having others in your life that help you follow Jesus too. 
Discipleship is crucial material in growing the church, Christ's body. So friends, are you building through your discipleship relationships? How are you doing it? Can you write down some practical ways that you are doing it? And if you're not, perhaps talk to an elder or one of your pastors and think together through how, how it is that you might be able to do this more. Secondly, not only should we be building the church through pursuing discipleship relationships, we should be helping to build up the church by pursuing evangelism relationships. The way that the church is built up is not only through the individual Christians being built up, but also then through living stones being added to the church as this temple grows up into Christ. So friends, the church is to be growing through the evangelism that the church does. Now, there's a sense in which your pastors are evangelizing through the sermons that happen, through the preaching that happens on a weekly basis here at Bethany, but the church is to be evangelizing not only when it's gathered, but also when it's scattered. God has put you in places that your pastors aren't going to go this week, and you will have opportunities that your pastors and elders won't have this week, opportunities to share Christ with friends and co-workers and neighbors, non-Christians that the Lord has put you in contact with. And friends, let me encourage you to be taking those divine opportunities that he gives you and speaking Christ to those around you. This is a wonderful way to be building up the body of Christ through your evangelism. Thirdly, um, a third application in terms of how it is that you can be building the church is to consider being sent out by your church to build other churches in other places. Now, this may be, for some of you, something that you haven't thought of before, but Paul was sent out by the church at Antioch to take the gospel to other places. The reason there were churches in places like Corinth and Ephesus, Thessalonica, and Philippi is because Paul and Barnabas and then later Paul and Silas and John Mark were willing to leave their churches to go and take the gospel to other places, places where the gospel had not gone yet. Friends, it may be that the Lord might use you to build up his church by being sent out of Bethany to go to be a missionary or perhaps to go and be a part of other church plants or other churches that need to be revitalized. This is a wonderful way for you to consider being careful how it is that you build by being concerned with other churches and other places being built up and considering, well, could God use me to go and help to build in some other place, a place where a church is not as established as it is here at Bethany. Friends, let me encourage you. Are you building? How are you building? Are you on the sidelines? Are you slowing people down? Or are you working hard? Friends, let me encourage you to be faithful because the Bible tells us in this passage that there is an inspection coming. And for those of us who have been faithful, we will be praised by God for our faithful work. We will hear those delightful words, well done, good and faithful servant. For those who have not been faithful, this passage goes on to tell us that our lives, our ministry may be wasted. That that inspection of fire may prove that our work was a waste. Friends, I hope that you hear this passage as an encouragement to be faithful, 
so that one day when you stand before Christ, you hear those wonderful words that all of us want to hear, that praise from God. Well done. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for using people like us, redeemed sinners, to be used of you to build your church, your temple, your house. Lord, we pray that you would use the members here of Bethany to be building up this body and to be used of you to glorify Christ here in Bellflower and beyond. Lord, give us each wisdom to know how it is that you would have us built. Strengthen us for the work, for our good and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.